This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and the other person who's on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are you? I truly want to know. (laughs) You know, I'm uh, hanging in there. I'm excited to talk about our topics. That's lifting my spirits. Um, But life continues and it's ongoing. Every day, every hour, every minute includes a bunch of question marks and a bumpy road. Yeah, question marks on a bumpy road. A great John Denver song uh, (laughs) and the truth of our lives right now. Uh, I am already feeling better talking to you, but I'm just going to be honest. I've had a super annoying, very stressful, no good day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I am very happy to be talking uh, about our topic. But I just figured uh, that I would be honest. I think that's good. I think that's smart. I think that's important, and I think that is wise. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I have uh, I have hit many question marks on the bumpy road, uh, and now I'm ready to hit some exclamation points of joy. Yeah, maybe we... on a less bumpy road. Yeah, like or like a road that's uh, meant to be bumpy for fun. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. It has some little jumps in it. Yeah, we're going for a, a ride in our in our jeep that's built for bumps. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounded like a pitch for a really weird Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> I would watch that commercial. I admit it. Do you want a Jeep that goes super bump? Well, check this out. All right, let's get into our ab- actual topic. Oh, I also wanted to acknowledge some some evenings uh, we enjoy some nice water, uh, but some evenings uh, when we record the podcast, uh, we have a little drink to imbibe. Yeah. We have, uh, why don't you tell the listeners what we have? Yeah, so tonight we have a rusty nail, uh, which, if you are not familiar, includes whiskey and drambuie. Yay. Whee. So if you hear uh, little sips and mmms, it's all on purpose. <laughs> it's all on purpose to enjoy uh, the rusty nail. Let's dive in. What we're going to talk about this episode is The Muppet Show. Uh, as many people know, The Muppet Show uh, was uh, finally added to Disney Plus over the last couple of weeks. I think there's just been an explosion of joy and uh, discovery of The Muppet Show or people really re-examining it from their childhood or, you know, for people uh, our general age. You know, there was a smattering of DVDs and that. And I remember when it first came out on DVDs uh, and some people were like, we haven't seen this since we were kids. We're going to check it out. And uh, it's just been great to kind of live in this little uh, this little world that feels like it is having a Muppet Show renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we always like to start with caveats as well. So uh, I'll throw some out. And then if you have any caveats, fantastic, feel free to go just have fun with them. Um, we are obviously not uh, super experts uh, we are not. Uh, we have not watched every single uh, episode of the show. We're just really, really enjoying it, and I think have had a different life experience of it. Uh, so we thought it'd be a fun thing to obsess over uh, a little bit on the old show. Yeah. You have no uh, follow-up caveats. I suspect that my caveats are going to come out pretty quickly as we start talking. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So let's just dive in. Uh, the show ran in the late seventies into the uh, very early eighties. I think depending on where you lived uh, back in the olden times, when there were only a few channels, and then there was some cable, uh, Muppet Show might have been available in in reruns. Um, 
and then of course, like I said, available on, on some home media and all that. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know a ton about of, uh, there was lots of editing of different episodes from the UK to the U S to different releases. So there's a lot of history of this episode, uh, has had this part removed and this part back in. And there's some stuff with, uh, with Disney plus, I think there's some rights clearances on a couple songs and, there's some episodes that uh, have a warning about cultural sensitivity and, and changing times and all that. So uh, there's a lot of kind of uh, the what The Muppet Show is. is you can generally have seen it, <laughs> uh, but it has changed a little bit uh, over the years. Um, so let's talk uh, about our childhood experience. Uh, what was your childhood experience of The Muppets? <laughs> so I knew who The Muppets were, as in I knew who the main characters were. Um, and I actually wasn't sure until we watched it just in this last, um, you know, week or two since it was out on Disney Plus. I wasn't sure if I had ever seen an episode of The Muppet Show. And I discovered upon watching an entire episode that I have never seen an episode of The Muppet <laughs> Show until this year. Yeah. And that was a discovery for me, but maybe when I was, that was starting to make sense because you and I have enjoyed Muppets content together. We went in 2011, we went to the, the Muppets. Uh, movie mm-hmm. in 2014 we had a great uh visit to el capitan theater uh here in los angeles uh to see the the second muppets movie uh the second of the new muppets movies uh and uh you have certainly been around when i have made both on stage in this very podcast live versions of obsessed i've asked tons of muppets questions muppet jokes i've had conversations with you about which muppets i love <laughs> uh, so muppets have been around in the general oeuvre but it was a realization for me of how fundamental the muppet show in the structure of that show is in realizing that you hadn't seen that it was probably like a missing part of uh the the puzzle of the absolute charm of the muppets yeah i think i had seen um I think I must have at some point seen clips, but maybe only what was on Sesame Street. Um, I feel like I had friends who watched the Muppets, but um, but I don't know that. I, I think by the time, I think I was just a little bit too young, um, honestly, for when it was on. And then we didn't have cable or other access to it or just wasn't on my radar, uh, you know, as a child. I think that I saw, I think I had at least one friend who was a fan of the Muppets and I feel like somehow I might have seen a version of a Muppet movie with her but I don't know how because I think that was before I don't know how she would have had access to it but uh yeah <laughs> she my... stole the actual reels from Hollywood <laughs> yeah but no she you, did she you and I have, Minnesota well you and I have watched the original Muppet movie together we have and, and I had and seen that one before recently watched uh Muppets Take Manhattan which I hadn't seen since I was a, a a tiny little human yes and i had not seen that one ever yeah yeah Um, yeah no my muppet experience was the muppet babies cartoon (laughs) which is a fine experience (laughs) but different than the muppet show so for you uh when you you told me off air that you felt like you were aware of the muppets just through pure cultural osmosis as well as like seeing a couple films Mm -hmm. what what did you think of the muppets when you kind of only knew them is it is impossible to get through a conversation with <laughs> with humans, uh, you know, without eventually encountering like, you know, it's like the Swedish chef and everybody goes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm really good at nodding and being like, yeah. <laughs> um, I knew of the Swedish, like I, somehow enough things came into 
day-to-day life. Like, obviously, I knew Kermit because Kermit was on Sesame Street. Right. And Kermit was just part of life. Right. In the 80s. Um, <laughs> as was Miss Piggy. Yes. So I knew them. I knew Grover. Uh, I knew a few others. And Grover is like on Sesame Street. He is a Muppet, but he's not a part of the Muppet show. Thank you for the distinction. Um, and that's, I mean, but that's the type of thing of like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I knew of the Swedish chef. I knew of Beaker. Okay. I think I kind of knew the ones that people mimicked or talked about on the playground or when we were older and people were you know able to see things on home media like i tried to pretend i was cool and so i pretended i knew these things (laughs) um but here is my full disclosure i often got the muppets confused with fraggle rock because i didn't know either one well that makes perfect sense because you would just see clips or you'd hear people say it's you know it's a muppet thing or yeah a puppet thing yeah it was like it was puppet things of of um, puppets that I didn't know was yeah. kind of how I lumped all of them <laughs> together. Uh, okay, so um, we'll definitely get into uh, full adult reactions, but I am just curious for you: did you did it make you reconsider your Muppet feelings to see this essential building block of wh- where they came from from this vaudeville putting on a show that's fallen apart structure? Are you kidding? Absolutely, <laughs> I. L- I hear, so we watched the first episode, and at first I was like, oh, maybe I've seen we this. We watched the first episode Next that we watched. The, the first episode we watched that we watched. A, yeah, spattering yes. out of order. Yes, sorry. Um, and at first I was like, maybe? And they're like, no, no, I have definitely never seen this. <laughs> um, because I loved it so much. And it was, I mean, certainly we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but you and I are both show people. And so that idea of putting on a show and you get the hustle and bustle of backstage as well as on onstage um, just is... It's so uh, enlivening to be able to to watch that that I am certain I would have uh, reacted to that. Yeah. Um, and also, to me, the Muppets that I didn't know from other things, Sesame Street, were like a lump of Muppet fur. Right. Like I didn't have any differentiation between them. Okay. And so with all the sketches and things, you start to have differentiation between them. Right. Obviously. Uh, one hopes but i mean i i have been blown away by the episodes that we've watched so far okay yeah and i think for me i realized uh it was just another beautiful reminder of the uh wonderful human truth of your your point of view and your perspective matters and knowing that you are a show person and realizing for myself that i didn't realize every time i was like the Muppets are great should we watch this movie and you're like sure yeah let, yeah and you enjoyed them that you were missing that fundamental building block that I always had, that even when I see them in a, you know, like, well, when uh, Christmas Eve recently we watched, in the last couple of years, we watched the Muppet Christmas Carol, Mm -hmm. right? And every time I'm watching one of those, I I have that DNA of the Muppets are just barely holding this together. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever they do, I think, even if I don't think about that logically, Mm -hmm. I think that's embedded in my uh, appreciation and enjoyment of them. That anything that they are doing could completely fall apart at any moment in this great putting on a show kind of way. Yeah. And that that's a part of like where their sort of um, chaotic energy comes from. Yeah. And that's part of where their sentiment comes from of that true, you know, connection of performance. Right. So even when they're not actively in it, they're telling another story in a movie mm-hmm. and they're not it's not actively about performance. I think I still have all the, the DNA from the Muppet show 
in my mind, in my heart, you know? Yeah, which is, um, it's amazing to me because I, I did not have that. <laughs> um, still happy to watch things, but it's just, it's it's fascinating. And it's fascinating to me, um, having watched the episodes that we've watched, knowing that you watched them and that they were such a strong um, imprint upon you or that you imprinted upon them uh, before you were a show person. Um, but just, it makes, uh, it is it is so fascinating. Yeah. Did it, did it feel like it, when we were watching them as adults, like it makes sense that uh, a youthful version of your partner friend? Huh? Yes. It makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my childhood experience, uh, you know, I grew up with them at a very young age, I think. I've talked about a lot on the podcast before of I feel like my, my memories of, you know, the 70s, early 80s is that, you know, a lot of things were just kind of dull and gray and it was adults in large brown cars going to large brown buildings in their brown suits talking about adult things and like that to me was a lot of the world that was a lot of what was on television so anything that was different or weird you know star wars star trek superheroes you know uh vampires (laughs) muppets anything that was like colorful and alive I think I was just gravitated toward. And I know, you know, uh, it's a natural thing that a lot of children do. But I think that was a huge part of it of like, I think I had the, yeah, like Sesame Street. And it's great when the Muppets are on. And I know the adults are nice and I should listen. And I don't, they're telling me about the government or something. I don't know. Or, or vegetables <laughs> or something. I don't, they're telling me something I should probably know. But the Muppets were just fun and chaos. And it felt like there was it was all killer, no filler Mm. (laughs) from my uh, childhood perspective. Uh, Just really, really deep down, like happy memories. Like I I remember there's a time, I think, when I was in Portland where where it was a if I finished my meal on time, then I could watch the Muppet show. And like I remember things like. Uh, I need to uh, finish this plate of lima beans because my parents are trying to be real healthy and I don't like them, but I need to finish so I can watch the Muppet show so I can get to the prize, you yeah. know? So it, it's not only the content of the show, it is the way that it, it fit into my, you know, super young understanding of the world and my, my super young life. Um, and then I have deep, deep specific memories of specific episodes. Um, the Mark Hamill Star Wars episode, which we rewatched, uh, which is fascinating. I think I saw it on a rerun because it was uh, in in reality it was aired before Empire Strikes Back, but I'm pretty sure I saw it after Empire Strikes Back mm. because it's one of those shows that you know it, it, there wasn't anything Star Wars, you know, in existence. It yeah. was the movies, action figures, you know, Dixie cups, merch. But in terms of any more content that could even maybe be kind of a little Star Wars, that just didn't happen. So wherever I saw it, I'm sure it was in the TV guide or there were commercials. But I knew that, you know, Luke Skywalker in Bespin Fatigues is going to be on The Muppet Show. And it was like an event. Uh, My parents had bought us, my brother and I, uh, these uh, pajamas that were, uh, (laughs) and in retrospect, it's really weird and I don't know why I had them. But we had had bought us these uh, 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 one piece thing mm-hmm. uh that and this was the first time i realized this exists it had the the button-up hole in the back Ugh. you know so these were like kind of old school like what farmers would have mm-hmm. worn under their overalls kind of thing uh it, and i was sort of mystified by that but and it was bright red mm-hmm. but it was one piece the way i thought luke's best fatigues were 
So I thought putting that on made me look like Luke Skywalker, which it did not in <laughs> any way. But I needed to wear that, you know, uh, overalls, you know, underalls, uh, pajama suit, you know, to be so like it, mm. for me, the, these things are it isn't just the shows. It is the like I remember when I put on <laughs> my red pajamas with the hole in the back uh, <laughs> yeah, to try to look like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, and then the the uh, the Vincent Price episode, there was a book at the library that went through that, and that one has all these great horror moments. And I think that was some of my early like obsession with uh, vampires and bats and spooky castles. And that one's got a little scene uh, uh, that where the uh, where furniture comes to life, and that's all like in the book. And I checked that book out again and again, and you know, uh, fixated on that world. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of childhood memories that are powerfully associated, uh, with the Muppet show. And I think I took for granted how, how deep it got in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to see it from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, another big connection for me was animal being a drummer because my dad was a drummer Mm -hmm. and he would play in bands and uh, he had a stuffed animal of animal that he sometimes put on his bass drum. So that was wow, I <laughs> like a connection for me. And I always thought that was funny and great. And then eventually my dad taught me to play the drums. And I, you know, wanted to have a stuffed animal of animal on my drums. And like, so there's definitely those little pieces of the Muppet show that just didn't see it for years and years. But like, I think a lot of people uh, of of the generation that grew up with the Muppet show in particular you know, really grab certain pieces of it and didn't watch the show, but kind of the pieces came with them through life, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, fascinating. So we talked a little bit about uh, our own childhood relationships to it, uh, from yours from uh, not if, having the full Muppet Show experience <laughs> and mine from having weird foundational memories. What was your big picture reaction to seeing it as an adult? What did you respond to? What did you like? Yeah, I mean, goodness. So I loved I, I so here's here's how much I actually didn't know about the Muppet Show. I didn't know that the Muppet Show was about putting on a show. <laughs> like the basic premise, I did not know. Um so I don't know what I thought I knew about the Muppet Show, but I was wrong. Um or just miss just lacking information. Uh so that was a surprise to me that it was that you get both backstage and on stage. Um, was a huge surprise and that you get all of the fun and the drama of running a show and stage managing a show. And, you know, I, I think that would be fun no matter what. But um, as you know, as my partner friend, we both have put on many shows over the years, been in many shows over the years. You know, I've stage managed, box office performed, all of the uh, directed, <laughs> like all of the above, I've done it. Um, and so it was really fun to see that and to be like, oh, what? I had no idea. Um, and then, so the first episode that we watched, if I can jump oh, into please, this, yeah. was, uh, the one with Gene Kelly and, um, no surprise to anybody who knows that I'm a dancer who has listened to me talk about Gene he- Kelly at length before. I'm a big Gene Kelly fan. So I was super excited about that one. So that was really fun. And then I was like, okay, this is, so he's on the show, but not like doing a thing. So that's interesting. So I just was like, this is really intriguing how they use their de- guests and then watching more of them. Uh, getting to see the different ways in which they do use their guests. And, um, you know, somebody like Gene Kelly, who is later in his life, so kind of reflecting back on his career. Um, and if I can just go for it. Please do. The uh, 
the ending trying to get him to sing and then he actually does start singing singing in the rain i just uh could not stop the tears from coming like i was weeping it was if uh if i may a a great beautiful weird experience because we went through this emotional roller coaster of we started it and you were like oh wait i truly haven't seen this they're putting on a show and me being like <laughs> head exploded in a really great way and you know so excited to both three really re-see it for myself as an adult but then also to get to see it through your eyes and then i had that great experience of you know if i ever saw the gene kelly episode when i was a kid it'd be like cool song dance man from movie i've never movies i've never heard of but my parents don't watch them i don't know uh and now like you and i have been watching massive amounts of gene kelly movies and you know reading a bunch about his life and uh on wikipedia and what you thought about this movie and why he didn't like working with this person anymore and why he loved this person and why he removed this dance and just in myself just knowing so much more about like that era of entertainment of old Hollywood that is kind of getting to sparkle its last sparkle Mm. in the Muppet show that was like, wow, I get to come back to this as an adult with all that knowledge. And then the fact that that episode is kind of about it's, it's great jokes about how Gene Kelly doesn't didn't come there to perform. He was just going to watch the show and Kermit trying to get him to be the guest star. And then eventually he does agree to sing singing in the rain uh, it's a part of a medley in a bit, but then it's this slowed down, bittersweet version, and then that final yeah. coup de grave. He they have the set a set for singing in the rain, mm-hmm. and instead of doing any dancing, he just kind of wistfully walks through it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, it was uh, incredibly moving. Yeah, I'm gonna start crying again right now <laughs> just talking about it. Just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was just so moving. And I knew that truth about The Muppet Show and The Muppets in general, but in particular The Muppet Show, that it has this power that I think, uh, you know, a truly great variety show does and why I love uh, variety shows and comedy variety shows in particular that you can, that they allow you to go to this very elastic place to do extremely loud, fast, (laughs) violent, slapsticky comedy. They allow you to do uh, small character beats and then they allow you to just suddenly, you know, in very artfully change the mood mm-hmm. and in just a really deft, small way, just be, you know, it, if that whole thing had been Gene Kelly looks back, it would have maybe been wistful. But the fact that it was contrasted with the like that great wistfulness, that great seriousness, you don't see coming because it, you're caught up in all the fun. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You're caught up in the joke of, uh, well, Kermit's trying to put on the show and he promised the audience Gene M. F. and Kelly. Uh, <laughs> and Gene Kelly just doesn't want to play. And you're you're so into the joke of that. And yeah. then the, the wistfulness that comes makes sense because of that joke, but also is even more emotional because it's in contrast to that joke. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's so... So beautiful that you can have that extreme comedy and that extreme um, over-the-topness and also have these really poignant moments. But also, I mean, I, I like you said, caveat at the beginning, uh, we have not watched all of them, as I have clearly stated. I've, I've now watched five episodes of The Muppet <laughs> Show, so I do not count myself to be an expert. But 
it's not like every single episode is, and here's where we pull on your heartstrings. Like, right. The others that we've watched have not, at least to me, had that effect because I don't think that's what they're going for. And it's we've watched kind of a variety of people and performer or performers at different points in their careers. So it's to me, it's magical that it can have to have a show to have the style like a variety show, but to have it pulled off so well that you can have something like that happen. And at the same time, hopefully, you know, have the five-year-olds who are watching it thoroughly enjoying it and not getting any of that and maybe not noticing that their parents are weeping behind them. (laughs) You know, like I feel like it works on multiple levels and I love that about any show. Yeah. If my parents weeped at Gene Kelly, uh, I missed it because I was (laughs) enraptured if I had seen that. Yeah. And it does, uh, it does uh, feel like, you know, the, the first season is definitely, um, a little bit more just really uh, almost has some good Marx Brothers inspiration. It's it's a kind of anarchy comedy in a fun way of just lots of sudden surprising and lots of literal slapstick of, of things being hit and explosions. And it still it always has that energy. But it seems like as the show went on, you know, and that Gene Kelly one is, I think, from the final season that there's more of those moments of like, let's let's really play with these different tones that we can play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For myself, uh, I was trying to think ahead of time of like trying to find a way to capture what it felt like to see this again as an adult. Uh, and like I've seen bits and pieces and I, I've watched, I watched the Mark Hamill one, I don't know, like six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd seen that recently, but I really had my like Star Wars hat on watching it and wasn't really watching it fully as an episode of The Muppet Show. Uh, but watching these episodes, it was almost like going to Ancestry.com and going, oh, that's where I came from. That's <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I talk a lot about an obsessive different interests and, and how they had an effect on me. Um, but I think this was just a real big discovery because I knew I loved the Muppets. I've never stopped talking about the Muppets or making jokes about the Muppet, Muppets, but they have passed into that... Um, yeah, it's just a part of culture. The same. I talked to somebody about Fozzie telling a joke. The same way I talked to somebody about gas mileage. It's just a fact <laughs> and something that you can chat with people about, you know. Mm-hmm. So to go back to this and see, uh, yeah, I knew it was a variety show, but just realizing the it is the variety show with that backstage and then in front of the stage and then the audience being symbolized by Statler and Waldorf. Uh, in realizing how much the energy and the setting translated into a ton of stuff that I did. Like uh, my my performing career uh, and writing career started by doing, you know, some sketches. And then that really built into a lot of what I've done over the years is uh, variety shows. Yeah. Um, and in particular, you know, when you and I met, we were doing this, sh- uh, my brother and I were doing this show with a bunch of other people that you guessed it on many times of... Uh, a late night naughty variety show called Look Mono Pants. In a, in, it had a bunch of meta self-aware stuff. And all that was totally coming from the Muppets. And specific bits that we discussed were like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember uh, different variety shows I've done. That one. And then, you know, I've done variety shows throughout my life. But, you know, before uh, the pandemic times, uh, my friend from the Double Cooks, uh, Laser, and I were doing a variety show. Mm-hmm. You know, that that structure has meant so much to me uh but like even specific bits like i have always liked the bit where you have something in the show that is uh pretty consistent but then there's a weird twist every time 
and watching it again, I remembered like it, it it was just something I'd kind of forgotten. Like the reason for that is the Muppet Show opening where something weird happens to Gonzo at the end of the song in the opening song every episode. Mm-hmm. And that just got baked into me long before I wanted to be a comedian or a writer or a performer, that that was a, a pleasing structure. And when I saw it again, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember having these conversations about we got to do something like the Gonzo bit in this variety show. Oh, really? Yeah, because that was like the template for it's that kind of joke. Yeah. And like the uh, the Statler and Waldorf bit Mm -hmm. is like that. I haven't lost as much that it's the like that perspective of that great comedy contrast of whether or not the show is good that kermit is desperately trying to put on you can see that everyone is giving their absolute all right and then there's a really funny contrast when they're just these two old guys sitting in a box going meh not for me thumbs down you know that that relationship i think um i'm 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 going on a lot because i'm very excited about this yeah it's wonderful This this is the final thing i'll say and then we'll move on i think contained within the muppet show structure there's just a it, it creates a structure that allows all of these very very uh human emotions to come out there's that mix of just like the literal sort of strangeness and violence and chaos of the world of like that sense that things could go wrong at any minute and you have to find a way to be okay with that and almost telling jokes about chaos versus order because it's a way to cope with that reality of our lives and that there's a mood there's that mood in general to the Muppet show but that's literally the structure of Mm -hmm. like it's so classic comedy of Kermit has set up a series of straight lines that is the show and then every episode every weird (laughs) curly line in existence will attack those straight lines (laughs) and try to mess it all up so it's just like contained within the structure I think is some like just deep ways that I process life and comedy and some specific ideas probably came from the Muppet show, but just seeing it again, realizing like the way that the comedy and the humanity functions in the Muppet show just matches the way that I see the world and the way I see art. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it feels like this is true essence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just fun. That too. (laughs) It's part of the essence. Yeah. Fun. So in the episodes we've watched, there's, you know, obviously we've seen some heartfelt moments like the Gene Kelly thing, uh, but there's also, you know, obviously a lot of great comedy. Are there any specific comedy moments or bits or characters that you like specifically their comedy? What for the the comedy really grabbed you and worked for you? Ooh, wow. Um, I really like Kermit's approach to comedy. Yeah? Yeah. I, I know he is now as the first one people think of for the comedian of the show. <laughs> but I I find his kind of understated comedy of <laughs> things happening to him and around him or not going the way he wants them to. I enjoy that very much. Um, gosh. Can I ask you a specific question Please about start. Kermit? Yeah. So often when Kermit has uh, really set up something to go the way he wants and then it is undercut, he, he will turn to the camera and make the little... A tighten downward Kermit mouth. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, 
is that the energy that you like the comedy energy when he is uh he's the straight frog as it were <laughs> i mean i like that but i also kind of like um i i don't remember which one it was but there was one where like the the large monsters need to go on stage and he's like no 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 you need to go back and get you know com- comb your hair and like come back and like <laughs> i don't know i just kind of it's more it's more banter than it is set up knockdown jokes but i enjoy i feel like kermit has a wry sense of banter to an imaginary audience and i enjoy being part of that imaginary audience oh yeah that's great the the rye banter Mm -hmm. now as you have mentioned you have uh you've done it all when it comes to uh to theater stuff like this Mm -hmm. including uh being a a stage person Mm -hmm. um and the way the muppet show is kind of divided kermit's the mc he's in charge of the show but he's also kind of you know, calling cues a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's definitely a stage manager part of his job. And then he's got uh, uh, Scooter to be his gopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scooter's doing a lot of practical stuff too. Is there a part of you, you are a person who has done stage management, but you're also just a person who is good at keeping the wheels on things. Do you think you relate to Kermit because of that? Oh, I'm sure that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I'm sure that's part of it. And whether that is early on why I related to Kermit um, of my limited knowledge of Muppets, uh, Kermit was always one that I related to. OK. Um, and for what reason? That might be one of the reasons. OK, excellent. Uh, I'll share a comedy moment and then you can yeah. let me know if there's any other that that popped to your mind. Yeah. That you really enjoyed. Um, this is just a really small one and it's in the earlier episode. It's in that Vincent Price episode. Uh, where Kermit is setting up that they have Vincent Price, this, you know, horror star, uh, and that it's going to be a different tone to The Muppet Show. It's going to be spooky. And I'm paraphrasing his son says something like that. There's not going to be uh, this big, loud slapstick. And then Fozzie, for no reason, just immediately hits him in the face with the pie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's just this sort of joyful, uh, silly fun uh this is what I love about it. And it, it immediately just gets my sort of comedy theory juices going. A moment like that can just be silly fun of like Kermit sets up expectation, expectation immediately broken. Mm-hmm. And you can just enjoy it in that sort of just really silly, innocent joke way. Like like telling a kid that uh, the sound a goat makes is moo, you know, in, mm-hmm. in something that's just wrong uh, because he just said it was going to be this way. And then it wasn't. Or you can put on a little bit more of the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a perspective of examining the darkness of humanity of why did Fozzie do that? <laughs> why did Fozzie choose to just immediately undercut? Is it because Fozzie is just that desperate for a laugh? Did he not understand it? Did he think this is just the tradition of the Muppet show? Like, yeah. you can disappear into like, it's funny because it just um, the the thing that the rule that Kermit set up immediately got broken. But you can go a whole different place with it of like, and why did Fozzie break that rule <laughs> so quickly, so darkly, yeah. so violently? He just had a pie and it needed to go somewhere. <laughs> a pie's got to go somewhere. That was one of uh, one of my favorites. Um uh, another one that I would love to share with you is uh, one of the episodes we watch had uh, the um, Bunsen and uh, uh, Beaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, Beaker is somebody that I've talked about with friends and, and I've done, you know, written sketches where people do a, a Beaker bit. Um, and I hadn't seen just one of those sketches 
in a long time. And that one was really cathartic too, because that's just such a simple setup knockdown joke of, uh, of Beaker is going to be asked to, to be experimented on to do things he doesn't want to do. And everything about that was just a, a beautiful exercise in a, a joke is funny by itself, but it's the execution of the joke that makes it sing. And how much Beaker is just like the picture of, nope, do not want that everything about the Muppet about everything the way he's performed mm-hmm. is built to have that eyes wide open of like, again, for me, it's that deeper, like I don't want to deal with <laughs> the chaos of life and I'm going to be forced to, and it is going to physically affect me and I don't want it. And it's really cathartic and really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, that is another scene that I was thinking of too. Yeah. yeah. Why, do, uh, why does it, why do you think it lands with you? Um, I am not a comedy theoretician. (laughs) It made me laugh. (laughs) Well, perhaps that's a good balance to uh, me and my my dark (laughs) wonderings of motivations to just enjoy it uh, as a piece of entertainment and a piece of comedy. Let me ask you about another piece of comedy that I enjoyed that I think you will have uh, more insights than me on, Mm. which is uh, we watched the Rita Moreno episode. Yeah. uh, Partially because we really wanted to see some episodes uh, with dance, with movement. Mm -hmm. uh, And it's got this great big Rita Moreno dance. Uh, where it is executed really, really well. Sometimes it is a uh, an actual human with a Muppet head that she's dancing with. And then other times it is a large doll, you know, as the same character. So she can really, really whip him around. But it's, it's dance as a violent fight. And uh-huh. it really, really goes over the top with just her whipping that, uh, that doll into the floor and just oh, knocking yeah. the ever loving crap out of him. And I loved it. <laughs> How did you feel about it? Oh, goodness. I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was, it had so many things to it. So Rita Moreno, for people not familiar with her, I I know has had a, a full and lengthy career, but is perhaps best known for being in West Side Story. And um, an amazing dancer. And so to me, like just the combination of absolutely amazing technical performance of dance performance performance of dance combined with this just like off the charts comedy and to be able to do the two at the same time to me as somebody who has tried over the years to do not that level but has tried to do like dance comedic dance like I find comedic dance is often very hard to pull off well um, and both for myself and for watching a lot of other comedic dance over the years. But I thought that was just absolutely brilliant of, you know, again, I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not the comedy theoretician. So, uh, you know, whether it's kind of part of the contrast of her amazing dancing and then, you know, this puppet slash man sometimes tries to leave her alone and then she's just like, no, let me take you and throw you over the bar. And, but it's also like, it just, it has such depth to it and it has a whole story to it and it's just endlessly funny um and you know she is beating up on him but not all the time like sometimes she's also dancing with him and she, you know she has her own things and needs and keeps like throwing glasses off that <laughs> don't break and it's just I feel like it's got so many different layers and levels to it but to be able to have that depth of comedy with that depth of dance performance captured in this one small scene on tv was to me just beautiful yeah and it's long too right every time you think that in a way that really works for me like every time you think like that was great 
Oh, wow. They escalated. Oh, they escalated again. Right? Oh, they escalated again. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, I think you were really hitting the nail on the head for me is it, you know, it, it, it starts with it seems like they're just trying to do, you know, a, uh, a a good dance, right? But it is a dance that's like really sharp and really romantic, right? And right, it's a tango. It's a tango. There we go. I didn't want to I didn't want to say the wrong dance word. It's a tango, right? So it do, it feels like it's playing on that and it seems like they accidentally hit one another and then it escalates. Mm-hmm. So for me it's got that that again that comedy of we are trying to do something and it's going sideways. Of uh, we're trying to take something that is meant to be romantic and done well, a tango is romantic, but its movements also have violence in them, right? Because they're sharp and they're sudden and if an elbow gets out of place, uh, you know, somebody's uh, getting a black eye. Yeah, yeah, and I th- and that's actually a good point because there is such an inherent te- intensity and tension and like this could turn to love or violence at any point. Um, I feel like it's kind of inherent to a tango. Yeah. And for me, I think it's just got that great. It's such a great example of what the power of physical comedy can be of like, you can rationalize it of, Oh, it's, it's two people, Rita Moreno, and a strange Muppet man trying to do a tango. They accidentally hit each other and it escalates into a massive barroom brawl tango dance. Mm-hmm. So you can track it logically but it's not like there's dialogue and they're speaking their motivations. So when you strip something of like the words and the ideas to the point where it is just, it just becomes a physicalization of emotions we all have. Yeah. Like it's a tango dance, but it honestly can just feel like a business meeting that went wrong. <laughs> right? Where it's like, yeah. I want this from this meeting. I want this from this meeting. You are pissing me off but i shouldn't say it so i'll keep trying to do the business dance but in my words what i'm really doing is flipping the table over on you Mm -hmm. and you can just you just feel those emotions in in this primal way that is true to being a human of things that are not meant to be conflict sometimes become conflict and it's you know just really uh cathartic on that level as well as just strip all that away it's funny i mean that strip all that away that stuff i think to me is why it's funny, but I don't think you need to consciously analyze that yeah. in order to access that emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is yet another example where the three-year-old and the 30-year-old are both laughing. Right. And then it, it, it's because I've been through this in my life many times. I enjoy going, ooh, let me break that down. And other people might be going like, you are gilding the lily and, you know, you are ruining it by talking about it. Just let it, <laughs> if what it is is primal, then shut up about it being primal and let me enjoy it on a primal level. <laughs> so I recognize uh, that there is uh, there is that as well. I didn't uh, mean to turn our entire Muppet Show episode into comedy theory time, but I think I'm realizing that's why I love it so much. And uh, the Muppets are caring and character motivated and they have wants and they're unique and, and they're kind to one another and we will we're going to discuss all that but i think that's what makes it so work for me is this is just like a little picture of the world where a lot of us are you know very kind very specific we know what we want we're trying to get it the people around us are, are trying to see us and trying to help us get it but this life is really hard and all of these weird conflicts and chaos emerge out of nowhere and you can either uh, weep at that or like the Muppet Show does, you can find the cathartic joy in it. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's uh, to me the like the big picture of why it, why it works. Uh, it, in what what slapstick is for? Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about it a little bit about the uh, the caring side. Uh, that um, there's a lot of touching moments. There's mm-hmm. a lot of you know like all great comedy like even going to like cartoons these are weird characters they have a lot of fun pointing out that they're weird they will remind you constantly that Kermit is a frog and Miss Piggy is a pig and uh, make jokes around those and Gonzo is a we don't know what Gonzo is mm-hmm. and that serves as a is a a uh, a joke but it also uh, they're also grounded as Kermit wants to do a good job be a good MC and have the show go well yeah. You know, Miss Piggy wants to be a star. She wants to be seen. She wants to be validated. Fozzie wants to land that joke. You know, mm-hmm. Sattler and Waldorf are working through whatever they're working through <laughs> <laughs> uh, by by working, by, you know, tearing the show down. So uh, all of the characters are coming from a relatable point, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which I think is what allows it to then move into moments of, you know, real kindness and sincerity. So for the episodes that we've watched, are there touching moments that that have been really successful for you? Uh, obviously, we talked about the Gene Kelly moment. Yeah. Um, so we watched the the Bernadette Peters episode, mm-hmm. and there's, um, a, a, I would say, one of the through lines that starts earlier in it and goes throughout it is uh, Robin, the small relative of Kermit. Um goes has this ongoing thread about being so small that nobody notices him and he wants to be in the show and keeps doing feeling like he's doing things wrong and just is really having a hard time which is really um emotionally wrecking (laughs) (laughs) by itself at least it is for me and then um he ends up in the dressing room or whatever with Bernadette Peters and she sings this great song about, you know, all you need is one person to believe in you. And then it turns into two and like, it turns into this whole, like lift each other up and support each other and love each other for who you, who you are um, starting with Robin, but then it kind of has a more universal message. And like that just was uh, very beyond touching. Yeah, no, that one was really powerful because yeah. it, again, it starts from a, a place of like, really sharp traditional comedy of he is on the floor going he has a practice speech that he's trying to give to kermit i'm paraphrasing but like though i am a diminutive in stature i have much to offer so you hear enough of that to know exactly where he's coming from and how relatable that is if you you, like you said uh you know three to 30 to if we could live to 300 we would all relate to feeling you know, uh, diminutive in stature in some way and not being heard. So we establish that really real perspective. And then it's not just broken by any random thing. It's broken by the largest monster Muppets they have stomping back and forth. (laughs) Nearly stepping on him. (laughs) Nearly stepping on him and silencing him. And it's just that super direct comedy of the big loud ones, you know, knocking that, uh, you know, over the the uh, plaintive concerns of the little uh, little one, the little Muppet uh, and builds that. Yeah, that really nice, sweet song. And mm-hmm. yeah, and, and uh, uh, I even uh, I went and looked on uh, Bernadette Peters uh, Twitter account. Because mm-hmm. I was just kind of, I hadn't, you know, kept up with like, is she still really active? What is she doing right now? And she had a tweet from a couple of days ago of like, 
uh, Muppet Show is coming to Disney Plus. Be sure to check out my song with Robin. Oh wow! <laughs> I was like, I did burn it. Peters. We just watched that. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, another one that got me that which w- is another sort of like persevere, work on on your skills, and and people will believe in you. It's in the Mark Hamill episode, uh, the Scooters uh, Six String Orchestra. Oh, yeah. Where, again, that is that really relatable, let's accept ourselves that we are flawed, limited beings, but, you know, with time and with help, we can achieve our dreams. Because this whole song is about, like, how I want to have be backed by this great big orchestra. And, you know, then uh, the the actual Muppet band, you know, fades in at different points and, and you get to hear the song that Scooter is hearing in his head, right? Mm-hmm. That this is the completed beautiful thing that the way that he hears it when he plays and then you cut back to what it actually sounds like. And even at the end of that, it's so sweet and it's so, again, like relatable for anybody of like, you're trying to describe an idea to somebody and they just hear the plunking guitar notes and not the orchestra that's in your head. Mm. So it's like really relatable from that perspective. Yeah. But instead of just making it, and then at the end of the song, Scooter nails it, he still screws up the final chord. So it stays like grounded in this really human way <laughs> yeah. of like, he's going to get there, but he's not there yet, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, I think it's those kind of moments of that, that make the heartfelt part of the Muppets not be saccharine. Yeah, is yeah. That there's then, always that. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. I, no, I, just that there's always that am- amount of humanity. Yeah, it's exactly. It's not an easy fix. Yeah, it stays true and it keeps that idea that you have to keep working at something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Keep plucking away there, Scooter. Yeah. Um, Any other kind of big thoughts on the general structure of The Muppet Show, of the variety showness of The Muppet Show? Um, I really enjoyed watching how the opening number shifted. Between the first season and I think maybe even by the second season, but don't quote me on that. Um, I think I um, have really come to appreciate the opening number uh, of things in general. And especially with that one, it's when shortly before we started recording, I was like, oh, we're about to record. And instantly in my brain, it was like, and it was just like, it gets you in the mood. It sets the mood so much between the, you know, the song and the action you have, you know, especially once they get, you know, what they have for most of the show of, you know, all the arches and um, it sets the tone so well. Everything from the music to, you know, you've got Kermit there in the center, but there's so many different Muppets there and some, you know, by name and some you don't, but you're excited to see any of the ones that are going to be there. And like, at least for me as a new viewer, like we had watched one where he did a song with Mrs. Mouse or Mouse person. Yeah, well, Kermit and, did. And, yeah. And Miss Piggy was mad about it and made Statler and Waldorf claim it was bad. <laughs> yeah. But I hadn't noticed uh, her in like the opening um, thing before. And then the next time we watched it, I was like, hey, look, there she is. Like, So that's really fun. And I enjoyed it the first season, too, with the whole like can-can dancers and then like up-down dancers. But yeah, they're on that kind of like uh, uh, that musical theater sort of structure yeah uh, yeah stage so um so i just i really enjoyed watching kind of how it evolved throughout the years that the muppet show was on and just how how important it is in both the show that they're putting on within the show that we're watching and how important it is within the show that we're for the show that we're watching yeah i think that there is also for me i can't really separate it uh from nostalgia Mm -hmm. and from 
a little bit of uh, older person yells at clouds. <laughs> so I'll put an older person, I might be yelling at clouds, caveat, that there is something a little lost when we've gotten rid of, for the most part, so many longer opening credits. Mm. Like, we just watched Bridgerton and enjoyed the hell out of it. And it's got its really effective just, boom, it goes to the picture of the tree. Mm-hmm. Bridgerton. Um, I really enjoy Riverdale. And Riverdale's opening credits is also a boom that says Riverdale. And one of the letters flickers into neon existence. And like, and it, it those kind of modern, just boom, here are the opening credits, set set the mood, but it's so fast and so efficient. And it's more like just a little like business card <laughs> And the opening credits for something like the Muppet show are like, Hey, you've got, you're going, you've got your own real life, real world. You are coming now into an entirely different reality. And this song is going to bring you there and get you so pumped for whatever weird crap all these weird Muppets are going to do, right? It just yeah. makes you go like, yes, I was born to watch the Muppet show. <laughs> this is what I should be doing now. Yeah, you know? yeah, but that's so true because it is. It's the bridge that brings you in and shuts the door behind you, hopefully, so that you're not thinking about the other things and you're just here. Yeah. Um. And gosh darn, I loved it. Yeah, it's it's so good. And then it, it, it has that that both that familiarity and that tension of variety because like you said yeah every episode you can cast your your eye around and try to find the new muppets that you've met or who's in Mm -hmm. a corner that you've never met and you've always got that great promise of something weird's gonna happen to gonzo Mm -hmm. you know in that main show and that's so great yeah uh yeah we we watched the roger moore episode which was really great as well and i was really struck in that one where there's there's a a bit where we just see the band in their orchestra pit and they just play a great song. Yeah. That and was fantastic. Yeah. And, and I was just like, oh man, I'm just like great musicians. I know they're Muppets, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just, uh, I'm just rocking out. And like they each have a solo and ah, ah, yeah. so good. That so one good. was great. It made me miss live music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Muppet show is making me uh, miss live shows. Uh, if a Muppet was going to live in our home, which Muppet would you choose from the ones we have met? Oh, goodness. Oh, hard choice. Mm. Um, I mean, Kermit would be my instinct default choice. Okay. Uh, because I feel like Kermit can, I think I'm going to stick with Kermit. Uh, there's a few other runners, but we'll just stick with one for today. Um, I feel like he both wants things to happen but also is okay sitting back and chilling. Yes. Yeah. You get the sense that there, if there's a after show Muppet party, mm-hmm. <laughs> Kermit maybe just wants like a whiskey and to sort of talk through what went well, what went, uh, what could, needs a little bit of work, maybe laugh a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. go home. Yeah. Or like he's the one who's sitting in the like cool, architecturally interesting corner chair. And, you know, jumping in sometimes, but sometimes just like staring off at the skyline. And yeah. But then also like totally ready to get up and get into it. Or if it's his turn to sing a song, he's going to sing a song. Like, I feel like he's got that real great vibe for somebody to live with of like they can be both up and present and also can relax. Yeah. And like chill out. 
that is such a great answer. So many of the other Muppets are like, they've got their perspective and their shtick, and they're going for it 24-7. In Kermit, you get the the vibe of like, yeah, sometimes you get super excited, arms flailing MC uh, Kermit, and other times you'd get like, oh, <laughs> I really just want to read a book now, Kermit. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I feel like you'd be like, Kermit, it's been a rough day. I'm not in a great mood. He'd be like, I get it. Sometimes I'm like that too. And that, that would be nice. Uh, yeah, I I think Kermit is a correct answer. Uh-huh. Uh, I would maybe uh, just take in Beaker just to give him a break in life. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was worried you were going to say Animal. Oh, no, no. I I, I love Animal, but uh, Animal is, is not for home living, especially <laughs> during lockdown times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Animal is a, a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful inspiration, but don't need him in the home. Yeah. Uh, Beaker you, sounds great. Uh, excellent. Yes. And I think, <laughs> I don't know why I'm going here with this, but like, you'd be like, uh, Beaker, do you want to, you know, uh, do you want to play a video game on on the Nintendo Switch? And he would at first be like, <laughs> right? He'd be, meep. He'd be uh, concerned about it. Uh-huh. Uh, and you'd, you know, because it'd be great to be like, yeah, like, oh, he's like, oh, yes, I'm going to be shocked or there's, you know, <laughs> it's going to be an ejection button on the couch. And just like, I want to see Beaker in that moment where he realizes nothing's going to happen to him. <laughs> right. And then he, I think he would get so into it. <laughs> he would. Yeah, I think uh, I think still waters run deep when it comes to Beaker. Um, if you were a guest star on The Muppet Show what kind of number or bit would you want to do? Ooh, um, I mean, I would want to dance. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And that's, like, or talk about dancing or, yeah. And they do, like the Bernadette Peters episode we watched, there's like one, you know, fairly, a couple of fairly sincere numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've uh, read that they were very open to what the guest stars wanted and it seems like some of them are more into the, Let's get real zany. And like Bernadette Peters, her stuff is mostly pretty, pretty sweet, you know? Yeah. And I'd totally be up for zany. Like I have no problem with, with something zany. Yeah. So you would want to do a dance number. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular Muppet that you would want to do a dance number with? Ooh. Um, I don't feel like I know enough of the Muppets to know. Uh, how about since you were so excited to see her, uh, Miss Mousie? <laughs> maybe <laughs> does she dance yeah well she sings you know it would be fun would be to do a dance number in Statler and Waldorf's box between them <laughs> I would like to do that I would like so to you'd do... have to do the up close and personal yep yeah like do a little like soft, soft shoe tap dance like dancer I'm dancing so sorry that's a little jingle on the microphone was my foot um, like, but I feel like, you know, I feel like that would both drive them crazy, but also they might enjoy it. And yeah. I feel like that would be really fun. Oh, that would be great. And it'd be fun and different. And I would definitely want something interacting with the Muppets, of course. I, yeah. I, mean, I think that's a requirement, but, um, I think that would be very fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, that would be great. I would love that. Uh, Statler and Waldorf are so tempting for me to play with. You know, the radio show Wits uh, that was based in in, uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, that I used to be involved with uh, when it was uh, still in existence, um, there was a, there were literal boxes in the theater where it was recorded, in the Fitzgerald Theater, and 
uh, is often Bill Corbett and Kevin Murphy uh, doing the Statler and Waldorf bit in the actual box, but then I would rotate in and sometimes do that bit. So that was yet another place where like, yes, of course, everybody, yes, it's Statler and Waldorf. Forget it. It's the people in the box making comments on the show. Yep, mm-hmm. got it. Uh, so, I yeah. did know Statler and Waldorf. Yes, I will yes. just throw that in Well, there. probably because I <laughs> talked about them. I don't think you can go through life without knowing who they are. <laughs> no, but I would love, I would love to do a bit that was like trying to Statler and Waldorf, Statler and Waldorf, where like the camera would pan up and uh, I, I would get to be in the box above Statler <gasps> and Waldorf oh, and try to zing them for their zings. And I think that it's the nature of the Muppet Show that I that eventually they would get me right. Mm-hmm. They would have a lever and I would fall through that box, but that would be fun. Yeah, or to do some like. Uh, I I like the bit when the uh, when the guest stars are trying to really make it through the gauntlet of bonkersness. So I, it would be fun also to do a like, can you keep your focus? Like it would, a fun bit would be like, can you finish this Shakespearean monologue while the Muppets are doing are released to do whatever they want around mm. you, and can you can you get through it without breaking? Yeah, that kind of stuff. That's like playing with because that's what the Muppets do before like I think um before like self-aware and meta was as popular mm-hmm. and, and I mean honestly it, it's you know generation x where that really became a thing it's partially I think other you know because we absorbed a lot of content like that but Muppets is very like that mm-hmm. of you know let's uh break the fourth through eighth walls you know <laughs> so I think that's where my mind gravitates to when I think of go- doing a bit of like something that is very structural and then how do you break the structure Mm. set up the structure only so you can destroy it yeah (laughs) that sounds great (laughs) i would also like to be do a dance with the chickens oh yeah also in a chicken costume (laughs) the chickens are pretty great uh that was one really short bit where the chickens just uh pecked uh piano notes Mm. it was like 30 seconds long yeah it was like Full on song. The chickens did their bit and got out of there. It's great. Uh, know your time, chickens. Uh, if you, uh, oh, um, this is the question I wanted to ask. If there was a modern reboot of The Muppet Show, what famous guest star would you want to see now from our now times? Oh, wow. Um, goodness. Well, there's a few stars that were on it then that I think should come back, uh, like Julie Andrews. <laughs> um having just watched the golden globes jane fonda oh yeah um i would like to see on it um gosh gosh so many people i mean we need to have amanda gorman on it oh wow yeah okay yes yes that would be awesome um and no comments from saturn waldorf on that one Uh, yeah, there's a, a lot of talk because, uh, obviously the Muppets have been successful in many other formats, you know, people, you know, love a lot of their movies, you know, especially some, some of the movies, uh, from the nineties are really foundational to people who grew up in the nineties and, you know, utter respect to that. You don't have to have started with the, the Muppet show to have the Muppets be meaningful to you. Mm. But, you know, since, uh, in the last several years, there have been a couple of different, uh, Muppet kind of reboots and trying to figure out how to kind of bring them into the modern time. And I've seen a lot of people tweeting, just anecdotal, that there's a part of their DNA that they just make sense in this variety show format. And it kind of doesn't matter that, you know, people understand what a variety show is. 
like it, the Mupp- the original Muppet Show was set in this time where it was kind of the swan song mm-hmm. of the evolution of vaudeville to variety shows. And in, in, in some ways, I think it's, you know, it's one of the last uh, uh, variety shows. Uh, so I understand the approach of like, eh, it's kind of of its time. But I just feel like he, all you need to know is they're trying to put on a show. Everybody knows songs, sketches, dances. And if you don't, you'll learn it by watching The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. So I think I've seen a lot of people going like, if you want to reboot The Muppet Show, just do The Muppet Show. Just put them trying to put on a show and everything goes wrong. You mean rather than trying to come up with some other format? Yeah, because yeah. there was an update uh, that I think I watched the first episode of and I thought it was it was fine. And, and uh, I've seen people say they really disliked it. I've seen people say it was going okay and it would have gotten better. But they tried to update it to like a talk show. Okay. Which makes sense because like a talk show is sort of like the latest evolution of the variety show. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, there was in it also kind of went into their personal lives and it had, you know, a little bit of that camera style and, uh, and narrative style from the office, uh, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, or, or Parks and Rec where there's some direct address and all that. So it's like on the paper, like it makes sense of like that's a way to update this. Um but a part of me does, especially reconnecting to this, is in the camp of like, th- this is where their heart is of trying to put on a show that falls apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's been a lot of discussion on social media about who would be modern guests. Okay. Yeah. So a couple that jumped out to me, um, Billy Lord, for mm, sure. Yep. Uh, Adam Driver, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess uh, a person who is generally pretty intense in interviews, but clearly as a performer is willing to go wherever uh, he needs to. Yeah. That's the kind of uh, dynamo you want on The Muppet Show. Samuel L. Jackson, for sure. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, this is one that might not make uh, as much uh, sense to you because you have not watched the show. Um, but it was really it's been really fun for me in revisiting the old Muppet Show's to again as an adult have the context of like if i saw the roger moore episode when i was a kid i would have just generally known yeah james bond spy but like watch it now as like an uber james bond fan and know like yes when he was on this was in between uh moonraker and for your eyes only and this is generally the state of james bond like have all that cultural uh knowledge of it it's fun to see the different uh, aesthetics that they were brought into the muppet show by the guests Mm, yeah right because yeah, gene definitely. kelly brought with him the the legend of old hollywood so the tension is i promise the audience gene kelly mm-hmm. but then roger moore shows up and he's like i promised the audience a great big spy number yeah it's bernadette peters you know amazing broadway performer so she mostly sings amazing songs mm-hmm. you know and they brought with them the tension of where they're from right so uh there is an actor named melissa mcbride who plays a woman named carol on the walking dead who is a character who has uh, really, in the story of Walking Dead, has uh, she's a mother who has gone through a lot, and she really has, at different points in The Walking Dead, sort of hardened herself, and when necessary, pretends to be a, a naive mom who kind of doesn't know how to manage the zombies in the apocalypse so that people underestimate her. Nice. <laughs> it's just yeah, because she can absolutely kick ass. And it's like, I want to see that sketch on the Muppet show of of Carol uh, forcing the Muppets to accidentally underestimate her. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, two more for me. Um, 
Axl Rose <laughs> is popping up on an episode of Scooby Doo, so he's clearly into this stuff. I would love to see Axl Rose. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the Alice Cooper episode of the Muppets, so why not Axl Rose in a modern reboot? Uh, in my final one, because he's in a poster bias, is Chris Evans. Oh, yeah. Look, Chris Evans is going to have a hard time getting through the shoot without laughing. He's just—he seems to be so good-natured. He would just be like. Uh, I'm just going to walk on and let the Muppets just dunk on me. And he would laugh and it'd be great. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. <laughs> uh, if there was a Muppet version of you, what do you think the Muppet would be like? So here's what I want the Muppet to be like. It is not what it would be like. I want to be, um, I don't, what, the um, the band Muppet. She's also in the doc, the Dr. Dog Oh, thing. yes, yes, yes. I want to be her. Okay. You want to be her? Mm-hmm. Uh, funny and glamorous and musical? Mm-hmm. I think you are all those things. <laughs> well, thank you. There we go. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. That is great. I love that. Uh, I think if there's a Muppet version uh, of me, I think it would be uh, definitely uh, wearing black. And I think right now what I would want the Muppet version of me to be is to, the the main shtick to be to have a removable beard. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying having a beard. But I look also forward to going back to classic me. Yeah. Without beard. <laughs> a little Velcro, just take it right off. Off on. Off on. Off on. Do you have a noise to sum up uh, your interest in The Muppet Show? Well, uh- that was great i felt like a furniture that might eat me was right behind me (laughs) that was great great let's talk about obsession level on a scale of uh one to ten one being the lowest ten being the highest uh do you think you're all at, at all obsessed with the muppet show or is it just an interesting fun cool thing that we've got to examine together um probably an interesting fun cool thing yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm really enjoying it, but I don't know that I'll spend a lot of time thinking about it when we're not watching it. Right. right. And I just don't have that background with it. So, I mean, maybe we'll come back and revisit this in three years and maybe I'll be like, no, I'm a 10. This I'm a 10. changed my life. <laughs> Look at my sleeve of Muppet tattoos That's up right. my arm. I know you're not a tattoo person. Um, what do you think my obsession level is? Ooh, I mean, this is a hard one. I mean, I think there's... Because there's how much you think about it, and then there's impact it's had on your life. And I think impact it's had on your life, whether thinking about it or not. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing, if I may share, because uh, you're looking very concerned about what I'm about to say. No, no, no. Um, I'm just really thinking about, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, like, subconscious impact. <laughs> like, it's got to be at least a nine. yeah. But I think obsession level, I mean, right now, because we're watching it, it's a little bit higher, but taking that out a little bit, I'd say maybe like seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair because I am not an, an expert. You know, I, I have not studied this. I don't know the ins and outs. I would absolutely lose a Muppet Show trivia contest, you know, um, but for the the impact that it's that it's had on me. And sort of just my love of the, the characters in the chaos and what it represents. I think it's I think it's really high. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's really interesting with obsessions like this that were obsessions early on and then kind of left for whatever reason that we don't think of them as obsessions, but then we get a chance to revisit them, like you are getting to now, and just 
seeing how much of an impact and influence this had on you, both sometimes when you thought about it, like the gonzo bit you were talking about, but also I think a lot of things when you weren't thinking about it, I think that's really substantial. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a really interesting obsession to analyze because it wasn't analyzed. It was just, Mm -hmm. it was so in my bones when I was doing, uh, you know, a lot of variety and a lot of comedy stuff. Um, And even though I had watched the episodes and I could talk about the favorite Muppet or I could talk about a specific episode that I remembered, it was also just like I have gone through life with your experience as well, where it's just, it's in the cultural osmosis mm-hmm. and if you say like you know let's do we should do a bit like swedish chef everybody'd be like yeah of course mm-hmm. and we that you would know what that meant mm-hmm. you know and i think the fact that i have kind of walked through it both being a little being very specifically obsessed when it comes to how i feel about comedy and variety shows and their importance to me and then also just it's there the muppets show is kind of just like bread it's just it's a thing that has always been, right? <laughs> and other people know what I'm talking about when I talk about, right? That kind of thing. Uh, so I think uh, I think it's a good rating. Thank you. So we're gonna move on to the plugging section. Uh, what do you? Where can people find you? What do you? What do you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, some of the Muppet Show uh, chaos. I think yeah, is, yeah. Uh, getting into uh, I, my podcasting. <laughs> I do not have my own version of the Muppet Show to, to plug right now. Um, I can be found on Instagram at, at Scrim Street. Excellent. And here are some plugs for this show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff like that, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And the thing I mean to plug on uh, Obsessed is just the service ResistBot. Uh, you can just Google it, uh, ResistBot, if you're not familiar with it. It's available in lots of different uh, formats. I use it in texting, but I think you can use it in Twitter and a bunch of other services. You just write a very simple direct message uh, to your reps and ResistBot handles everything else. They send it. They know, you know, if you sign up, they know from your zip code who your reps are. And right now when there's just so much going on and reps need to hear if you support something, if you don't support something, they need the encouragement. If they're already supporting something that a lot of uh, of their constituents want them to continue supporting it, they need to hear it right now. And for me, it is one of the uh, the tools that I use to stay engaged. So I am suggesting that to podcast listeners resist bop, resist bot. Here are our final questions. If you had the superpower to turn your body into any substance, what would it be and why? Ooh, ooh. Um, I would like to turn into rock. Rock. Why? Because I think it'd be interesting. You do like rocks. I do. And like, you know, I say rock, but maybe I mean like a cliff cliff face and like within different areas, there would be like different geological layers. Maybe there'd be some fossils in there. There'd be like an innate sense of like prehistory. I think it'd be a really cool experience. That's so great. And because of our discussion, I pictured looking up at this beautiful cliffside rock staring out at the sea. And then eyes pop out in the mouth, and it's a giant (laughs) face Muppet. 
Like the houses, which, by the way, Fair enough. Mm-hmm. How, those houses that come to life and share jokes, yeah. they have been in the deep recesses of my mind forever. And there's a, a house near us that uh, the next time we go for a walk, I will take you to the Muppet house because it looks like it has eyes and I keep expecting it to make a joke. <laughs> <laughs> if you could take a week off to sit and read books uh, for a week anywhere in the world, what would you read and where would you read it? <laughs> This is just cruel. I'm just going to be honest. Just cruel. I'm sorry. Uh, can we say bittersweet? <sighs> sure. <laughs> um. Gosh, I mean, what would I read? I'm constantly reading like 15 books at a time. I know. And that's why I was curious if mm. I, uh, you know, pulling the curtain back. Uh, these are the kind of questions we talk about when we're not podcasting. So I figured I why not just throw it on the podcast. I know. Unfair. <laughs> um, gosh. So so I've got some, here's where my caveats come. Sorry, this is supposed to be an easy question. This is not an easy question. If the goal is to get through books, mm-hmm. then I want to be in a place that is visually, that is, um, you know, stimulating enough that I don't just fall asleep but not so stimulating that I don't want to read the books. Right. So you don't want to be like in a bustling metropolis with lots of adventures to be had. Right. Or I don't necessarily want to be like in a place with an amazing view of the ocean because I'm just going to want to stare at the waves. Right. And I will not get as much reading done. Okay. Um, But if I were in a like forest or mountain or something like that that's interesting but not like oh my gosh this is a place i've always wanted to go and walk around and experience it but it's kind right. of like it doesn't change a lot move around a little bit but also have a nice cozy cabin-like place to like sit and read and then yeah. go make some tea and then go sit in a different spot and read so that's the location that i would choose um but I will go anywhere, nearly, <laughs> especially right now. I'm sorry. This is a, this was a cruel question. Um, I mean, my book list on my phone is long enough that my to-do list app has said I'm not allowed to add anything else to it. <laughs> when even the apps say too much. <laughs> B.S. Yeah, I just reorganized, not my pile, singular, my piles, three of them. Of books to be read next. Yeah. I, and I think I was looking maybe for some solace by like trying to like, we can match a book to a, a location. Oh, we can totally do it. Absolutely. Okay. So we, I say, let's go um, to the woods. And <laughs> I've got a book that I, I've got two books, in fact, that I really want to read. Um, one is a book about Thoreau and his thoughts on trees. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And the other is a book about um, the women nature writers. And it's kind of a, it's a really cool book. I think it's Women in the Wild or something like that. And it's, I don't know what type of category it would be in, but it's like little short chapters kind of introducing um, the reader to different women nature writers throughout history and kind of what their background was and maybe what we do know about them now or what we don't know about them, you know, and some of that. So yeah, there, two matched to location. Okay. Trees, books, in the woods. Yep. Sounds so, so very nice. Yeah. What are you bringing? Where are we going? 
Oh wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I I know the ocean is too active for you. Oh, I I'll go to the ocean anytime. Okay. Yeah, it's just, I want the ocean because the ocean is like you look at it, especially at different times, especially if you're somewhere where there's a little bit of rocks and there's a little bit of crashing going on. It's insanely beautiful, but also like it doesn't change up <laughs> unless there's a storm. You know, it's just there's something a little bit uh, uh, comforting mm-hmm. and and soothing about this huge unstoppable force of nature that's just doing its thing mm-hmm. uh so i find it peaceful uh and then what what oh i know what i would bring i would bring um a book called room to dream mm-hmm. which is a david lynch's uh kind of autobiography kind of being interviewed by another author author who's co-credited on the book and i apologize i'm spacing the author's name uh I deeply, deeply want to read that book, uh, but I kind of can't deal with, during my busy, stressful life, I will try to find 15 minutes here and there to read a book called Room to Dream. I can't <laughs> deal. It's like one of my number one books. I've owned it for over a year now yeah. that I want to read, but I just kind of can't deal with the like, read a book called Room to Dream while you don't have room to dream is the kind of chaos that I cannot invite into my life right now. <laughs> wise, very wise. So The Ocean, Room to Dream. Many Excellent choices. Many other books. Uh, final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Going to see a show with the Muppets. <laughs> Going to the actual Muppet show, yes. I think that is a great answer. Uh, thank you uh, so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you, everyone who is listening. Uh, the Muppets, uh, stripped of uh, of any of my uh, thoughts on comedy theory, I think are just like they're a burst of joy for many people for many different reasons. Uh, and for me, uh, somebody who has had a hard day, as I said at the top of the podcast, I have felt so much joy getting to think about it and talk about it. So thank you for talking about it with me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, so when we watched the Gene Kelly episode, Mm -hmm. we did this fun experiment where we basically kind of watched it as uh, an appetizer because mm-hmm. uh, we were going to watch a Gene Kelly movie anyway. So we watched uh, The Muppet Show with Gene Kelly, and then we watched Xanadu, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was an amazing cultural trip. Are you interested in doing more pairings where we find a movie starring a guest of uh, of The Muppet Show and start with an episode of Muppet Show and then move into the movie? Definitely. Excellent. I can't wait then to rewatch the Bernadette Peters episode and then immediately watch The Jerk. <laughs>